Amen. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melinda. Great thought, great song. Go ahead, get in your Bible to Genesis chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We're on page 4. And uh, I'm glad that though life in this broken world is often filled with uh, darkness and valleys and difficulties, that when you know Christ is Savior, uh, it is well with your soul. We recently started a Sunday morning series on great truths communicated with simple words. Profound things, of course, are best understood by most of us when they are communicated through the vehicle of simplicity. When complex things are communicated with difficult words, they are often misunderstood or at times not understood at all. And God makes sure that the most important things to Him are communicated to us simply, and not just that, but he very often repeats them to make sure that we have clarity and emphasis on what matters most to him. And as most of you know by now, I took a list of 916 verses in our Bible that are all one-syllable words with the exception of a name or a number, and prayerfully put together a series of great truths communicated in simple words. Last week, we talked about Jesus seeking us because He came to seek and save that which was lost. All of mankind needs a Savior. Uh, and He first seeks us uh, because we're lost. And we rejoice that from the earliest days, from the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, that God sought us. And because we have a Savior who seeks us, those of us who follow Jesus make some effort to see those who are lost, saved, and we seek them as well. This morning, we go back to the earliest days in the history of mankind. Some mistakenly consider the early chapters of Genesis to be some kind of allegory instead of real history, and in doing so, they fail to recognize that Jesus considered them to be history, and in doing so, they miss great lessons and blessings our God wants to give us through studying them. Now, if you're here and you're not a Bible reader, this name will be strange to you, but for those who are Bible readers, one of the best-known names from the early days of man's history was a man named Enoch. He's mentioned three times also in the New Testament because his life was a part of human history, not just an allegory. I'm told the name Enoch means initiated, or others say dedicated. And which of those is more accurate is uh, anybody's guess. But what is not a guess is the fact that there was a quality of Enoch's life that was definitely and clearly communicated to us in the simplest terms. Now everybody here is familiar with people who run races. Uh, most of us don't do much running unless we're being chased, or there's some kind of an emergency. In fact, I personally have never really cared for running unless I'm chasing some kind of a ball. But there are people here and people everywhere who actually enjoy running. I think it's sick, but there are people who do. I personally prefer to walk. Uh, now, while we're familiar with people running races, we're a lot less familiar that they're actually competitive walking races. 
To be competitively walking, a walker must have one foot in contact with the ground at all times and fully straighten their supporting leg in the stride. In fact, you may not know, uh, but race walking is actually an Olympic sport. And it is primarily dominated by Russia and China uh, since the mid-1900s. And since it's dominated by Russia and China, it's also no surprise to learn there have been a lot of problems with performance-enhancing drugs. But when it comes to walking with God, there are no rules about straightening our supporting leg. And there is no competition with others who walk with God. If you are able to stand, if you would stand this morning, please, in honor of the Word of God, the tell of my thought this morning is, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Thank you, might be seated. The oldest son of Abel's brother, rebellious brother Cain, was also a man named Enoch. That particular Enoch, the son of Cain, was a rebel against Jehovah, just like his Father Cain, and he built the first city and named it after himself. The Enoch about whom we just read is in the godly line of Seth. His father was Jared, his son Methuselah. His son Methuselah is most famous for living longer than any other person in history. In fact, he lived to be 969. And though all of us would prefer to live a long time, we're all much better to live well than we are to live long. And in the early days of human history, lifespans were obviously much longer than they are today. I'm told that the oldest living person is a woman in France. Her name is Lucille Randon. She's 118. Now, no one's really sure why lifespans were so much longer then. Some speculate that it is a difference in somehow related to the Earth's atmosphere or environment prior to Noah's flood. Others speculate that it may be linked in some way to access that Adam and Eve had to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden before they were kicked out. But it is certainly in some way linked to genetics. Adam and Eve were directly created by God, and so they had zero genetic copying mistakes. From what I understand, at least at this particular time in human history, there are about, on average, 64 genetic copying mistakes added each generation, and those have been added now every generation from Adam and Eve on till today. Now, whether we can explain these lifespans or not, uh, because God's Word teaches lifespans were longer than I believe it, and you would be wise to believe it as well. Now, in the New Testament Hall of Fame of Faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, Enoch is mentioned among the great heroes of faith in the Old Testament. Hebrews 11.5 says, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, what a great record of your life. To be said of Enoch that he pleased God. 
And though God loves everyone, some live in a manner that pleases God, and others live in a manner that displeases God. The other mention of him in the New Testament is by a man named Jude in the next to the last book of the New Testament, and he records some of Enoch's words. You see, Enoch prophesied about the Lord coming and judgment. Jude records Enoch's words as being the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. And though we really just have that brief snapshot of what Enoch said, we do know that one of his favorite words describing the generation in which he lived was ungodly. I wonder what he'd say about our generation. Now we're not told about Enoch's life prior to the birth of his son Methuselah, but we do know that he walked with God after his son was born. Look in verse 22. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Uh, by the word, that word after, uh, like every word in your Bible, is there on purpose. Now it's always good to walk with God, always good to have faith. Always good to live in a way that pleases God. But some do not let the importance of those things dawn on them until after they become parents. There are little eyes on every parent here. And our children will be far more influenced by what we do and what we say than they will be influenced by what we teach them when we sit them down to lecture them. Sometimes what we do speaks so loudly that they cannot hear what we're saying. And I would to God that every parent within the sound of my voice would be very aware of the fact that your children are watching you do what you do and say what you say, and that you would consider how that all reflects upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may disagree with this, but I personally believe the worst thing any parent can do is claim to be Christian and then live in a way that dishonors Christ because of your carelessness and the choices you make in your life. But it isn't just that Enoch walked with God after his son was born. From the time in which he lived, Methuselah didn't live very long. In verse 23, we read that the days of his years were, uh, days were 365 years. Now that's long in today's terms, but for then, it wasn't very long. In verse 20, uh, his dad, Jared, it says he lived to be 962, and he died. His grandfather, Mahalalil, in verse 17, he lived to 895. In the days of Mahalalil, 890 and five years, and he died. As I mentioned earlier, his son, Methuselah, in verse 27, says, "...and all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred and sixty and nine years, and he died." And though Enoch's days were, quote, "...only three hundred and sixty-five years," hear me when I say the time he missed on earth was much better spent in paradise with God than in this sinful, broken world. Hear me when I say those who die in the Lord go to a better place." when they close their eyes here. And the good news, of course, though every one of his predecessors there in that genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, as well as everyone who followed him, 
though they all died, Enoch went to heaven without dying. And that's what verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And that's in contrast to every other of those individuals ending with, and he died. Now, based on this, we might not know exactly what it means, but when the Bible says God took him, that is cleared up in the New Testament in Hebrews 11.5 where it says by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death because God had translated him. And though the Old Testament does not specifically teach the rapture of believers because the New Testament calls that a mystery revealed in the New Testament that though it is not taught, it is pictured in what happened to Enoch when he was translated and God took him. You see, one day Enoch was walking with God, living by faith, loving his family, preaching and warning people of the coming of the Lord and their need to repent from their ungodliness, and then he just disappeared. My attention this morning is captured by the great, great, truth communicated to us in simple one-syllable words of verse 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. See, Enoch didn't have the life of the Lord Jesus as a perfect example to look to, but he still walked with God. He didn't have a completed New Testament to know the details of what the Messiah would do and God's plan and will for us, but he still walked with God. In fact, Enoch walked with God in in such a way that his faith is recorded among the great men and women of faith through the whole Old Testament. Enoch walked with God in such a way that he understood and spoke out against the ungodliness of his day. He walked with God in such a way that his testimony was that he pleased God with the way he lived. Now most of us here this morning have heard about walking with God. In fact, I believe most of us would want to be people who walk with God. But what does that mean? See, being said that you walked with God is a pretty rare thing in the Bible. In fact, I'm only aware of one other individual who's described as someone who walked with God, and that was Noah in Genesis 6-9. Did you know that there are a lot of statements in the New Testament about what the walk of someone who is a believer in Jesus should be like? See, the whole idea that all that matters is the Gospel is contrary to the New Testament. The first thing that matters is the Gospel. The only thing that matters when it comes to being saved is the Gospel. But understand that those of us who have believed, we need a lot more information after the Gospel to know how we can walk and please God. In fact, the whole modern idea that after you trust Christ, what you do pretty much doesn't matter because God loves you and you're in Christ and you're living under grace, that's contrary to the New Testament. The entire New Testament is filled with admonitions, instructions about how a believer in Jesus should walk to please God. Don't misunderstand me. God's love for you is not linked to your behavior. God's love for you is 100% linked to the character of our Creator. God is love. God loves you. 
But whether God loves what we do and whether God is pleased with the way we walk has everything to do with what we do and how we walk. And therefore, the New Testament teaches a lot of things about how a believer should walk. Let me ask you this morning, as we begin to think about and apply this thought, would anyone who knows you well describe you as someone who walks with God? Would our Creator, who knows everything, including knowing everything about both Noah and Enoch, would He describe you as someone who walks with Him? And God communicates to us in the simplest terms the importance of our walk with Him. I enjoy walking with my wife Sharon. Uh, We used to walk down on the trail by the river sometimes, and other times we walk in the neighborhood, uh, there's something special about walking together. In fact, in the cool of the day, Genesis describes God as walking in that garden and Adam and Eve walking with God until sin separated them from their Creator. Hear me when I say this morning, God did not create you for worship. If you're a believer, you should worship God. God did not create you to bow down to Him. God created you to fellowship with Him. And when you hear some uh, do-gooder or some sincere but ignorant person say that God created you to worship, they don't know what they're talking about. Listen, God did not make man for the Sabbath. God made the Sabbath for man. And though I have no doubt that Adam and Eve did bow down to Jehovah, their Creator in the cool of the day when they walked together, Uh, the Bible doesn't record them bowing. The Bible records them walking. Our Creator is not a reluctant God. He is a God who wants to have fellowship, who wants to have relationship, who wants to have each and every human being walk with Him. In fact, one of the most important qualities of living a blessed life as for a believer to choose to walk with God. What I'd like to do this morning is just make some observations and applications of walking with God. Please first turn in your Bible to Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. So that's in the Old Testament. I'll never find it. Well, that's why you get a Bible with thumb tabs. Brother Wally, you got a Bible with thumb tabs? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Listen, how else do you find Nahum? I've never heard of Nahum. Well, you need a thumb tab. Some observations and applications of walking with God. Here's number one. Walking with God begins with agreeing with God. Walking with God begins with agreeing with God. In Amos chapter 3, Amos is going to preach to the people of Israel, a people who had been specially called and gifted and instructed by our God, and who yet had instead willfully defied Him and gone a different way. Notice as he preaches to them in Amos chapter 3 and verse 1, hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? (laughs) 
You see, any two individuals who are going to walk together must have some kind of an agreement on where they're going and how fast they're going to walk. You see, a husband and wife cannot walk together unless they have some kind of an agreement on where they're going and how fast they're going to move forward. Have you ever really paused to consider that most of our conflicts and disagreements with our spouse are not really over willful, defiant, sinful things? They're really over small things. How should we handle our children? What should we do with this part of our money? By the way, most conflicts between friends and most conflicts in the house of God among the people of God are not over willful defiance of God. They're really over much, much smaller things. And yet somehow the desire for peace and our love for God and one another somehow doesn't always get the best of us. But God makes sure we understand that no two people can walk together and no one can walk with God unless they are in agreement. Now when it comes to our disagreements with people, nearly always what I have found is that there's some part of blame to be laid on everybody involved. Now this is true sometimes that most of it's on someone and less on another, but I really don't know of any situations that I've been involved in where one person was 100% guilty and the other 0% guilty. See, now when we disagree with people, uh, we need to sometimes, we need to change our mind, we need to change our behavior. But understand, when we disagree with God, And if you haven't yet, you will get to the place where you will disagree with God sooner or later. The difference is, is that when we disagree with God, it is us who need to change our thinking. It is us who need to modify our behavior because our changeless changeless Creator, the God whose character was permanently fixed in eternity past, He is not going to change what He's doing or what He wants. He is a changeless God. And if you and I want to walk with God, we must decide to agree with God. See, to walk with God, we must first come to agreement on Jesus of Nazareth. You see, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus who is the Savior of the world, the Jesus who has the name that is above every name, He's the Son of God. He's God manifest in the flesh. He is pre-existent. He didn't begin to exist in the virgin womb of Mary. He's from everlasting and to everlasting. And anybody who simply says that He is the highest created being or just a prophet or just a good man, understand, that is not the Jesus of the Bible. None of those are the real Jesus. And when we recognize Christ's deity in addition to His meekness and gentleness and loving kindness, then we are agreeing with God and open the door to walking with God, a God who wants to walk with us. Notice, if go in your Bible to John chapter 8. Because it's not just to walk with God, we must come to agreement on who Jesus of Nazareth is. To walk with God, we must come to agreement on what we should do with Jesus. Listen, every devil and the devil himself know who Jesus of Nazareth is. 
They know He's the Son of God. They know He's God manifesting human flesh. They know that. And so just knowing that fact is not enough to really be in agreement with God, to walk with God. We must next come to agreement on what we should do with Jesus. Notice as Jesus is speaking to His enemies here in John chapter 8, He's going to say some what would today be called narrow things. In John chapter 8 and verse 19, they said, Then said they unto Him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. By the way, that's a pretty bold statement. You know me, you know God. If you'd say that about yourself, you need to be quiet. Verse 20, These words spake Jesus in the treasury as He taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on Him, for His hour is not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whither I go, you cannot come. And he saith, said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. You ought to highlight or underline verse 24 in your Bible. See, it is not just to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. You must believe that he is he. He is the Christ. (laughs) He is the Son of God. And if you don't believe that, if you don't respond to that information about who Jesus is by believing on Him, then you're going to die in your sins. In fact, in the same conversation with Jesus and His enemies over who He was and what they should do with Him, He continues in this conversation, verse 53, they said, Him, art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. (laughs) Yet ye have not known him. Can you imagine saying this to a bunch of religious Jews? God is my Father, and you have never known God. This will make them happy. Yet you have not known him, but I say, but I know him, and if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. Man, you got to admire Jesus. He said, but I know him and keep his saying. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet fifty years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. By the way, you remember if you're a Bible reader, what uh, God said to Moses from the burning bush, remember? Who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. That's who he's linking himself to. By the way, and they understood it in verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and out of the temple going through the midst of them and, and so passed by. To walk with God, you must do the right thing with Jesus Christ. You must... Believe Him. And if you go back a few pages to John chapter 1, that's what John says here, beginning in verse 10. He that Jesus was in the world, the world was made by Him, the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, His own received Him not. That's the Jews. Verse 12, but as many as received Him. To them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in His name, which were born not of blood, 
nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You want to be born of God? You want to be born again? You must believe and receive Jesus. To walk with God, you must come to agreement with God and what to do with Jesus. You see, to walk with God, you must be going where He's going at the same pace He's going. Now, when Sharon and I walk together, we generally have a problem because I like to walk fast. Uh, I started doing it decades ago. I don't know why I just did. I just, without thinking, walk fast. Um, and I got to watch it because she won't pick up her pace. And so if I want to walk with my wife, I have to slow down. By the way, when we go bike riding, uh, she is always 50 feet ahead of me. And I just, from 50 feet back, I'm always whining, hey, slow down, I can't keep up. I, I, she doesn't look back and smirk, but I think she's smirking looking forward. But the bottom line is this, if we're going to be in agreement with someone, we're going to walk with them, we, got to be, we have to be going where they're going, and we must go at the same pace they're going. You know, if you want to know what direction God is going in some situation, compare the choice to what He's said. Listen, if the choice is between doing what's right and doing what is easy, understand that the direction God is going, God is going in the direction of you doing right, not what's easy. Our Creator is not a desperate being. He is not starved for affection and attention so as to bend who He is or what He wants so that we would give Him attention we change who we are and we bend to what He wants or we don't walk with God. And if you think differently, you have a small God you created in your own mind. God wants us to recognize Christ for who He is, to choose to believe and receive Him so we can walk with God. God wants us to recognize where He's going and the pace He's moving forward so we can walk with God. And hear me again, we're not trying to walk with a reluctant God who doesn't want to be with His people. We are trying to walk with a Creator who loves to fellowship with His people, who loves to have His children walk with Him. But it is not just that walking with God begins with us deciding to agree about who Jesus is and how we get saved and the direction that we're going. Go next, please, in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Here's number two. Those who have believed and received Christ ought to walk to please God in every area of life. If you're here and you say, Jesus is my Savior, then you ought to walk and please God in every area of your life. You say, Brother Wally, I'm only 16. Hey, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to walk to please God. So, Brother Wally, I'm, I'm 97. I've done all that. Listen, if you're 97 and you're a believer, you're supposed to walk to please God. It doesn't change whether you're young or old. Notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you've received of us, uh, you ought to walk and to please God. <laughs> so you would abound more and more. Well, how do you walk to please God? It says, For you know what commandments we gave you uh, by the Lord Jesus. Yes, there are New Testament commandments. Say, so what are they? 
Well, there's a lot of them, but here's a couple. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. What is one of God's commandments to us as believers? That you be sanctified, you be set apart unto Christ, and you abstain from sanctification. You're supposed to be morally pure. Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. By the way, is it not a shame that some who say they believe in Jesus, their moral values are no better than the world around us who doesn't know Jesus? That is directly opposite of the commandment. Verse 6, here's another commandment, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have forewarned and testified. Listen, what's God's will for your life? What do you need to do to walk and please God? Among them is that you live a morally pure life. And the other one, don't defraud people. Don't cheat people. Deal with people with integrity. Listen, if you're in a situation and you call yourself a believer in Jesus and your choice is to do what is honest and what is right and your choice is to do something else, listen, if you want to walk with God, you do what's honest. You don't defraud somebody. So, Brother Wally, that's going to cost me money. You know what? Pretty much being honest always will. And I know in American Christianity, it's kind of unpopular to you know, to preach that there's a way we're supposed to walk as a believer. But listen, the New Testament teaches that. We, we won't turn there, but in Romans 6.4, it says we walk in newness of life. In 2 Corinthians 5.7, we walk by faith. In Galatians 5.16, we walk in the Spirit. In Ephesians 2.10, we walk in good works. In Ephesians 4.17, we walk differently than the unsaved world. In Ephesians 5.2, we walk in love. In Ephesians 5.8, we walk as children of light. In 3 John 4, we're to walk in truth. Listen to me. If you want to walk with God, it is a way we walk and our God has a place He's going and He has a way He wants us to live. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and He wants to walk with us, but He's not changing where He's going, we must change. Which gets us to our last thing, very briefly, number three. Believers who are walking with God are consciously aware that God is with you, so you speak to Him and listen to Him. If you take notes, write down Colossians 1.27, where he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're a true Christian, Christ lives in you, in the person of the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 says, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. If God's Spirit doesn't live in you, you are not saved. You do not belong to Christ. If you do belong to Christ, if you are genuinely saved, Christ lives in you. His Spirit lives in you. Imagine spending 24 consecutive hours with someone you said you loved and you never listen to a word they say and you never speak to them. And yet, sadly, some who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ can literally go 24 hours and you did not read His Word to listen to Him and you did not pray to speak to Him. And can I say to you, that means you did not walk with Him. A couple years ago, I was talking to a young man and he told me something along these lines. He said, I haven't prayed in over a year. That's a young man who claimed to be a Christian. It's a young man who grew up in a biblical church. Now, I don't know whether he's saved or not. Uh, the Bible says that we know them by their fruits. 
but God knows whether people are His by their heart. And so you are in my fruit inspection is not always accurate. But the inspection of our Father, because He knows every heart in whom His Spirit dwells, He knows who are His. And if you belong to Him, though you get weary of it in a church like this, of me and every Sunday school teacher and everybody who fills this pulpit constantly talking about your need to read the Bible, understand that that is just somebody trying to get you to sit at the feet of Jesus because it is no different if we were to hear those words audibly with our ears when He lived or to read them from His Word. You are listening to the words of God. That's part of walking with God. Listen, it is also part of walking with God to speak with God. On its most basic level, prayer is talking to God. How can you go a day? How can you wait until something bad happens? How can you do it? I'll tell you how. You're not walking with God. Uh, Remember, God is not a reluctant God who's trying to keep people away or making some difficult maze of all that it takes to get with Him. He just says, hey, listen, you want to walk with me? You read my words so you listen to what I have to say. You want to walk with me? You pray and you talk to me because I want to hear what you have to say. You want to walk with me? You find out where I'm going. You find out how I've asked you to walk and you do that and you can walk with me all your days. Are you walking with God? So, well, that's for the preacher, and that's for the deacons, and that's for these young, zealous guys who say they're called to ministry. No. That's for every child of God. Your heavenly Father loves you, and He wants a relationship but it will always be on His terms. Because He's God. And we're not. Amen? You quietly stand.